Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today sign up using code buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet bet mgm and GameSense remind you to play responsibly 21 plus and present in ohio subject to eligibility requirements rewards are non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days gambling problem call 1-800-GAMBLER in partnership with mgm northfield park The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. This is Make It Plain. Make It Plain. M-I-P. With Massimella Mark Thompson. Make It Plain. Get woke. Folks, once again, we've got to talk about this jobs report. We do it every month. We do it with our dear friend, Chad Stone, Chief Economist of the Center on Budget and Policy Priorities saw a headline, I think it was in The Hill, that uh, this jobs report makes it even more necessary and prudent, the stimulus or package that Joe Biden is trying to get through Congress, whereas in the past it was Donald Trump not trying to do anything. So uh, I think this makes the case. We shall see. We'll find out with Chad Stone. Chad, welcome back, buddy. How are you, man? I'm good, Mark. How are you? I'm just fine, just fine. So, so what do um, what do we know um, about this jobs report? So it was it was forty nine thousand jobs in January, right? Uh, added, which is not a big number. It's not a big number, and uh, yeah, I I put out a um, put out a blog post uh, from the Center on Budget on Friday, but it went out late in the day, looking at all this, and uh, yeah, forty nine thousand jobs. That's very low. And it's less than a quarter of the job losses that we experienced in December. In January, we get revised numbers on the payroll jobs back for a couple of years, and it changes around the levels and patterns a little bit. So it turns out that December was worse than we thought with with 224,000 job losses. I mean, we got 49,000 back in January. So, and and only 6,000 of those were private sector. There was there's a temporary rebound in education jobs, but you know I I always I always bore you and your listeners with discussions about seasonal adjustment, but but because um, because the normal pattern of schools opening and closing and various things like that um, 
the education numbers are probably messed up when you try to rem remove the normal season factors. So yes, there was an increase in um, education jobs, both private and, and public, but state and local government jobs are still down 1.3 million from February and, most, and a million of those are education jobs. So uh, it's a situation and basically job creation rates, job creation, I should say, has, has basically leveled off. We're, we've, we've been about the same amount of jobs below the February level for several Seven months, months, which is about 9.8 million jobs down from February. That's still a big job, big deficit. So we've also talked a, a, a lot about the intersection of low-wage jobs, low-wage workers, COVID, et cetera. That makes sense. January, some schools trying to reopen. First, let me ask this. Would you put some of these education jobs in the category of the low-wage job? Well, edu education jobs include bus drivers, custodians, uh, not just not just teachers. And uh, in in many states, um, teachers are low-paid jobs, especially in elementary school. Because <laughs> because the reason reason I'm asking, as you said, if, if these forty-nine thousand. How many of the 49,000 did you say were are attributable to education? I didn't say, but it's, it's a portion of them. Um, those education jobs, and um, I have to check my cheat sheet here. Um, so we had professional and business services, public and private education had gains. Leisure and hospitality, no surprise. Retail trade, no surprise. Healthcare and transportation and warehousing were the industries that had losses. And those kind of offset each other, except to the tune of 47,000. But those were the big movers, the big ups and downs in those sectors. Yeah. So, well, we've been following the education or the school reopenings, and that's even up and down. So this is still no real, it's, it's nothing stable, nothing to hang your hat on, because schools are going to open and close some more. People are going to get sick some more. And, and, and I dare say, many of those people who are in those jobs, you mentioned Legion Hospitality, are probably not high up in the queue to get the vaccine. Probably so. They're, they're younger. They're, Legion Hospitality is not essential. So, yeah, they're, they're, probably, they're probably down there. Yeah. yeah on, the, on, the, on the education thing, this was, a, this was in, the, in the grand scheme of things, a little blip compared with what happened since February. So we're still, so education jobs are still way down compared with February. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And as your headline attests to in, in the most recent piece on Friday, we're still looking at, at many of these low wage workers. These are also workers of color. Again, this is the reason why you need stimulus don't you, right now. I mean, this would, this would help at least for people to, to make it over. And I think Biden is even also talking about the extension of, of unemployment benefits, right? Oh, yeah. So it's important. It's important, I think, to describe the package as stimulus and relief, because as long as as long as COVID is uh, driving the show, um, it's it's dangerous for many people to go back to work. And, and there are reasons why they can't go back to work. So you want to you want to relieve them. You, you, you want to help them out financially. And you want to keep them home until you get the you get the virus under control, so so that's why the relief measures are really important. And, and there's a lot of there's a lot of hardship. Um, 2020 
you just build up hardship. Um, so relief and hardship. Once once things are once the virus is under better control, um, we we do want stimulus and unemployment insurance is important. SNAP benefits are important. State and local fiscal relief are all important for getting the economy back to full employment faster once it's safe to go back to work. And so really, we don't have any reason to believe that this is just going to get better on its own, do we, Chad? Um, well, not on its own, but but as we roll out, as we do as we do testing, tracing, vaccination, it's really the vaccines is are, appear to be the key and um, it's going to take a little while to get that um, to recover <laughs> um, the, the, the vaccine distribution uh, to make it really work. As you write in your piece and Chad just alluded to this folks um, that the job growth has flattened and if you look at the chart we actually shared it last month it's not updated but really it's updated on, on websites and on budget.org, but it still looks the same. Yep. There's that, and then it just goes straight. I'm looking, and pretty much from August to January, yep. approximately, you've got just this flat line. Yep. Um, and, and that, I mean, that tells you what's going on out here with COVID and that that's going to stay that way until we get past COVID, I guess now, whatever the, the variant is. Uh, and, and so it's a question now of what do you do? I mean, you feel like you almost have to start over because we lost so many people, lost so many months. In a pandemic like this, you have to have a, 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 um, a, a health approach to the health aspect, but also an approach to the economic aspect. Um, and then, Chad, I don't know, have, have you had a chance to look at long term what it will mean for some of these jobs in some of these industries that really don't have have a path right now of even coming back? You know, can can you even plan a recovery if we know that there's so many jobs and in industries that have just gone and some businesses have folded? I mean, is it a, a way to forecast that? Um, it's. It's hard to forecast. Um, it, you, you can talk. I can talk qualitatively about the fact that you're absolutely right that there are lots of small businesses that have disappeared. There will be people who will want to start out, start up small businesses um, once once people are coming back. Once once, once people are, are coming back uh, in you know in, into face to face communications. Um, and, and, but that'll be a while take the virus. So there'll definitely be a change in which particular places are open and old, old places have closed, new places open. There's lots of turnover in small businesses in the best of times, but this is disastrous. And so it'll be a little slower. The online retailers have done very well in store. We'll see how, how that comes back. So I can only speak qualitatively. I don't, I don't have Besides not being able to predict the future, uh, you don't have good metric for trying to figure out how that'll come back. But you ask a good question. Just a minute. You're not able to predict the future. I thought that's what economists like you did all the time. Oh, they do all the time. That's why I always tell someone when they ask me what's going to happen. I, I, I've probably said this before. I quote Yogi Berra, or maybe it was the physicist Neil Bohr. Prediction is hard, especially about the future. And, <laughs> and I live with that. 
That's right. Um, so another graph that, that Chad has that's important. Um, the lowest paying industries account for 31% of all jobs, but 57% of the jobs lost from February 2020 to January 2021. Jobs in low paying industries were down more than twice as much between February and January as jobs in medium wage industries and nearly four times as much as in high wage industries. And again, folks, if you're unclear about what we're talking about, medium to high, obviously, are those jobs that can function in a lot of ways the way we're functioning right now on on, on electronic media, Zoom, what have you. Um, but the low paying jobs, you can't clean the hotel room via Zoom. You can't um, serve someone in the restaurant where well, y'all shouldn't be going anyway to force people to do that, but you can't <laughs> serve somebody in the restaurant via Zoom. And, you know, if a school is reopening, you can't mop the floor with Zoom. You can't serve cafeteria lunches over Zoom. So, I mean, that that's the real reason for that. And and the shameful part of it, of it is not only those jobs being lost, um, but the, those people in those jobs are more exposed to the illness because they have to go out and work. You know, Chad and I talk about this stuff, but I think we all want everybody to be a little bit conscientious about the least of us who find themselves in these positions and, and know where to turn, know where to go. They still have to feed their families. That's why it, it's insensitive when we don't address this in the way it ought to be addressed. Right, Chad? Absolutely right. Absolutely right. Yeah, this, this, the analysis you're referring to uh, is Center on Budget Analysis, in which we, we looked at the composition of jobs in February and, and divided, divided industries roughly in thirds according to the wage, average wages paid. And um, that, that's what those figures are. That, that's the analysis that those figures are talking about. So as you said, a little less than a third of, of, of the industry that's, that we categorize as low wage um, accounted for, for a majority of the job losses. Um, and, uh, yeah, that's, and, and leisure and hospitality, as, as we said at the beginning, was one of the big losers in uh, January. And, of course, that's in that bottom sector. And I left one category out. I mean, I, correct me if I'm wrong, but a lot of the people who work in the staffs and some of these frontline medical facilities, I mean, they're not highly paid folk. I mean, there's custodial staff there. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't even know. I mean, there, there are a lot of people who work as medical assistants. I don't know that they're rich. I don't know that they're low wage, but, um, you know, those people are affected too. And they're directly where the virus is. They are exposed. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Then here's the other blockbuster. Uh, and we invite you to read uh, Chad's updates on his piece. We've been talking about this for a while, now, but, you know, when the jobs report comes, that means able to update it even more. Jobs recovery is still a long way off, especially for low-wage workers and workers of color. That's low-wage folk. Let's talk. Let's deal with, with the issue of race and color. The crisis has widened racial and ethnic disparities in, sh in the share of the prime-age population with a job. This The prime-age population is age 25 to 54. So... In the African-American community, in February of 2020, 75.9% of 
am I reading this right, of the prime age population had a job? Had a job. That's gone down to 70, 70.9%. That's dropped 5%. In the Latino community, from 78.0 to 71.2, that's, that's almost 7%. In the white community, 81.5 down to 77.4. Uh, that's a, a little less than than four percent. So again, the, the disparities that we always see in employment and unemployment to begin with, we see even in COVID, but even more disproportional because COVID has been so intense, so rapid. So we it ain't it's barely been a year. Well, it's been a year if we count January. So it's been a year, and we see how much it has dipped. That's not good. That's right. So in the numbers that you quoted. There's two, there's two important facts. The first is that the level of the, the percentage of the population of the prime working age population with a job is lower in black and Latino communities than uh, among black and Latino workers than among white workers. And the drop since February has been bigger for black and Latino workers compared with white workers. And that's, that, that's true in the unemployment rates as well. So the unemployment rate actually dropped to 6.3% overall in, uh, in January. But the labor force participation has been steady. It has not gone up. And that means that people dropped out of the labor force in the worst of the pandemic recession, and they haven't come back. So we're waiting for them to come back. So the unemployment rate came down, but but... That's only one measure of, of slack in the economy. And you see, you see the same uh, race, r- racial and, ec- and, and ethnic um, disparities in the unemployment rate. So, so the black, black unemployment rate was 9.2% in January. Uh, Latino or Hispanic unemployment rate, 8.6%. The white rate, 5.7%. So well below. Uh, and the Asian rate was 6.6%. So, so, so yes, pe- people of color and, and uh, experience higher unemployment. They always do, um, and it's the case now. And again, justification for stimulus. You really can't, as a president, can you plan even or talk about job creation while the pandemic is still even raging? I don't know that you can. Can you? You want to you want to focus on getting COVID under control and and relieving hardship, and that's that's what most of the most of the rhetoric um, should be about, and I believe is about about this package that Congress and the president are are considering. And there will be the add-on benefit of stimulus once those other two things are under better control. In fact, I'm still saying stimulus. I think that I know someone in the administration actually said. Um, it's, it really should not be looked at even so much as stimulus. It should be looked at what you just said. This is, this is hardship. I think Larry Summers was saying, oh, this is stimulus. But they're like, well, no, you shouldn't even put it. You, you probably should not even put it in the same exact category as stimulus per se, right? Because of the hardship. Right. As, as, as I said, it will, it will have a knock on effect as stimulus when the other stuff is under better control. But it's not, it's not the primary thing that we're going for right now. We're going for, for uh, controlling COVID and, and uh, relieving hardship. So, yeah, folks, we're, we're still a long way off. That shouldn't be a surprise to 
anyone. We're thankful we have the Senate on Budget and Chad Stone to keep us informed and give us the clearest analysis on what is going on here and what can be done about it. And for at least the past four years, they've been consistent while the other regime was in power in pointing out what needed to happen. It is a nonpartisan organization, but so their advice is available to all. It's a question whether partisans choose to take their advice. Uh, I think we are closer to right now an administration who will take that advice. Um, how long the Chad and I have been talking about the extension of unemployment um, and issues like this. So this is all very, very important. Chad's latest. Also, follow Chad. Chad CBPP for Center on Budget and Policy Priorities. Chad CBPP on Twitter. And of course, he's with us every day. Thank you, buddy. Oh, you're welcome. Always a pleasure. Thanks for getting woke and listening to Make It Plain. Please remember to listen, like, subscribe, and wherever you get your podcasts, please give the show a five-star rating. And please do spread the word. Let's all continue to pray for each other during this pandemic and this police-demic. If all hearts and minds are clear, it has been made plain. Enjoy all your favorite sports like never before at BetMGM. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. When you register with BetMGM, you'll get instant access to a variety of parlay selection features, live betting options, and the best daily promotions in the business. And with BetMGM at your fingertips, every play and every game matters more than ever. Place your money line. Prop or parlay bets with the king of sports books today. Sign up using code Buckeye and receive up to $1,500 back in bonus bets if you don't win your first bet. Bet MGM and GameSense remind you to play responsibly. 21 plus and present in Ohio, subject to eligibility requirements. Rewards are non withdrawable bonus bets that expire in seven days. Gambling problem? Call 1 800 Gambler in partnership with MGM Northfield Park. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator.